Watching my fellow Americans with your host. Yes. Mike Cohen. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Keep clapping. Clap for the birthday miracle. How would we know that you wanted the birthday miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. What an amazing episode we have. My first episode. As a 38-year-old man, and of course, as we know, in the Jewish tradition, 38 is when you become, I think, middle-aged. I think that's, I think that's when, that, I think officially you're middle-aged at 38, so that's a very powerful time for us in the, in the Jewish tradition. This is a Muddied Waters Media project, uh, production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, F-L-O-T-E, dot app slash Muddy Waters Media. Check us out on Twitch. Check us out everywhere that the internet exists. Check us out. Be sure to like us and follow us. And if there's stars, whatever the maximum number of stars, five stars, three stars, ten stars, find the maximum number of stars and press that. Uh, and then hit the bell. If you're on YouTube, be, sure, be able to hit that bell if applicable. That way uh, you're not going to miss anything. Be sure to share this video right now. The bit, the last thing I want for you and your closest loved ones is for you to miss out on a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Dad Bod Calendar featuring some of the sexiest Libertarian men to ever be both sexy and Libertarian at the same time. And it's also brought to you by my phone that I have not put on silent, apparently. 
And now it is. And uh, so you can get a uh, Libertarian Dad Bod calendar uh, today. Great social distancing tool. If you want people to stay at least six feet away from you, carry this bad boy around. $12, including shipping. Or if you want it signed by me, $30, including shipping. Uh, 100% of the proceeds go towards helping the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. Uh, LibertarianDadBod.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. And no, I'm not joking about that. This is the this is the fastest growing caucus. So if you'd like to become a part of it, be sure to go to Facebook and look for uh, liber- search for Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. Really, if you just put Libertarian Waffle, this is going to come up first. We'd love to have you there. And uh, this episode is also brought to you by Black Coffee, spelled B-L-V-C-K, because why not? Nothing matters anymore. This coffee is fantastic. It's cold-brewed, organic, cold-brew coffee. And uh, if you go to blackbrews, B-L-V-C-K-B-R-E-W-S.com, you can get yours today. And be sure to use checkout code MW, that's M for muddied and W for waters, for free shipping and this episode is also brought to you by one of the most talented video producers out there and his podcast the system is down hello there humble podcast listener thank you for allowing me to interrupt my fellow americans podcast to inform you about my own podcast the system is down the system is down is a place where we are reviving the dying art of conversation by civilly talking about all the uncomfortable taboo and politically incorrect topics like conspiracies politics and religion with amazing guests like juanita broderick tom mcdonald david thibodeau kelly jones greg carlwood martin jock vermin supreme literally spike cohen along with flat earthers pastors witches moon landing deniers this lady who claims to be an alien cult leader porn star this guy who says he was a literal vampire and much much more there's a little something for everyone to be offended by so if you're easily offended then fuck off the show isn't for you but to the rest of you fine folks just make a mental note and when this show's over go find the system is down podcast on any of the platforms or by going to tsidpod.com and join me in changing the world one uncomfortable conversation at a time back to you spike cohen Hey, thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, and, oh, and this episode, of course, is brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. Joe Jorgensen and I are running for, to make America free again, to set this world free, and to bring the troops home from the wars and the war on drugs and police brutality and the harms and abuses that are happening happening to us daily at the hands of the Republicans and Democrats, and to introduce common sense libertarian solutions that are the solutions to these problems. So. Yeah, this episode, like I uh, mentioned earlier, I am... Oh, yeah. We got uh, also brought to you by personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you are personally injured in any way that could afford you financial compensation, uh, be sure to go to Chris Reynolds... Oh, in Florida. Go to chrisreynoldslaw.com or just look for this smiling face. He may have already found you. If you end up in the hospital, there he is waiting for you to help represent you in your personal injury. chrisreynoldslaw.com. The intro and outro music. To this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, uh, Bandcamp at joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like 25 bucks. You're absolutely going to love it. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water. There it is. On every that I drink on many episodes of My Fellow Americans, not all of them, Bulavanaka. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him, as always. Folks, what a great episode we have. 
Like I said, it was my birthday. I'm 38 now. I'm now arguably old. I'm now arguably old. I think we could say I'm old now. And uh, But we have a great episode for you. Uh, because to celebrate my birthday, I'm doing a call-in special. Because those are always fun and uh, the audience really likes them. Uh, but first, a little bit of an update. First of all, uh, as part of my... Um, as part of my birthday, we have the 38 for Spike campaign, and I will be telling you about that right now. And now, an important message from the next vice president of the United States of America, Spike Cohen. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great weekend. I am having a fantastic weekend because this weekend is my birthday. I am turning 38 years old. And I know what you're thinking, Spike. You look every bit of 38 years old. That doesn't surprise me. Well, thank you. You're probably also wondering what I'd like for my birthday. Well, that's where you come in. I am hoping for my birthday to have everyone who watches this make a $38 donation to the Jorgensen Cohen campaign as part of the 38 for Spike campaign. I just made that name up right now. That's that's what we're calling it. I don't care. It, I, that's what we're calling it. 38 for Spike. So if you go to 38forspike.com and donate $38 or whatever amount you want uh, to help the Jorgensen Cohen campaign, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Joe Jorgensen is running a campaign to set America free. And with your help, that's exactly what you're going to do. Your donation allows us to fight for ballot access, to uh, engage in tours around the country, to do viral video marketing, and everything else in between that we need to be able to spread the message of liberty in an engaging and dynamic and empathetic way. So again, go to 38forspike.com and give what you can. I greatly appreciate it, and happy birthday to me. Thank you again for everything that you do. And don't forget, you are the power. What do you all think of that shirt? Did y'all peep the, 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 the purple shirt I had on? I like that shirt. My wife picked that shirt out for me, and it went perfectly with the logo. And I love that shirt. That was a birthday shirt. So, happy birthday to me. If you'd like to help, be sure to go to 38forspike.com. One more day left to the 38 for Spike uh, fundraising campaign. So, be sure to give to that. We had an amazing ad come out for Joe Jorgensen a couple days ago from the amazing and talented Mr. Dan Smolt. Uh, absolutely, absolute banger, just groundbreaking stuff. I'm going to go ahead and show this and then we'll start doing the call-ins, but I love this. This is we're, and you're going to be getting a lot more of this. If you like these ads that we've been putting out, just you wait and see, cause we're getting more and more and more of these. Uh, and, uh, I will be, uh, I'll be, pl- I'll play this one now more coming. So if you like these kind of videos, just, just you wait and see, you're going to absolutely love it. Uh, here we go.
these are groundbreaking. These ads that Dan's putting out, best in the game. Dan Small, best in the game. I can't say nothing but the I can't say anything but the best about him. I also have some fantastic news. Caitlin Cloven is now my social media manager, and I could not be more happy. She is fantastic. One of the best in the game when it comes to social media for any party, especially within the Libertarian Party. And she will now be my social media manager. I could not be more over the moon about it. What a great uh, birthday gift to me from the campaign uh, for me to be able to have uh, Caitlin Cloven and the team on uh, for Team Spike Social Media. I am so, so, so happy about it. So happy birthday to me, like I said before. So as a birthday gift from me to you, and really it's a gift from you to me because I like your calls, we are going to be opening the lines for your phone calls. Now, a little bit of a caveat here. I don't, you know, the, the, the system we use is not, I'm not able to uh, hold people in queue or anything like that. So if your call comes in and uh, it goes through to voicemail, uh, just try to call in a few minutes later um, because I'm only able to take one call at a time. And when another one comes in, I, I can either hang up on the call that I'm already on or I can hang up on, on, on you so that you can call back again. So if you call and it goes to voicemail, uh, just be sure to, um, uh, just be sure to, call back in a few minutes or uh if you want to just leave it as a message uh you can just send a text message to the number and i will read those off as well and i'll also try to do uh some of these comments that are coming in we got quite a few coming in as well so without further ado here well where's number here's the phone number 813-644-2722 and uh i would love to uh i would love to hear from you and so uh, with any, uh, any questions you have about me or the campaign or my birthday, I mean, I don't know why you have a question about my birthday, but if you have a question about my birthday, be sure to ask me about it. Really anything. You can ask me anything you want to, and uh, I will try my best to uh, answer it. So I will go through some of these comments and see uh, while we're waiting to get some calls and see if, uh, oh, ah, there we go. Uh, 702 area code. Thank you for calling. Uh, who am I speaking with? Uh, uh, 702 Hi. area code. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Uh, uh, thanks for calling in. Who am I speaking with? Hi, my name's Caleb. Caleb, thanks for calling. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing amazingly. Uh, how, how can I help you? I was wondering if maybe you could answer a question that a bunch of my fellow libertarian friends have gotten into some debate about recently. Uh, and there's a debate going on whether or not uh, driving drunk would be a crime under, you know, a libertarian society. Some people argue that it is a uh, victimless crime if for some reason you're able to drive your vehicle under the influence and not hurt somebody. Other people say it's inherently an act of aggression. And I'm curious where you stand on it. Thank you. That's that's actually a great question. Now, first of all, uh, in terms of this campaign, um, Joe, you know, that's a that's not a federal issue. Um, so I'm really talking more about libertarian philosophy here than anything related to the campaign, because this wouldn't really be a federal issue. But it is an interesting question that we have, um, you know, that we have about uh uh, about whether uh, drunk driving is or is not, you know, a, a, an act of aggression. Um, I tend to believe that it is a potential act of aggression because if you're that impaired to drive, 
then you the, your risk of harming someone else goes up quite a bit. Um, and now I will say this: I think some of these states their their alcohol limits are so low at this point. I think there's some that it's like point zero six, where if you had a drink hours ago, uh, you know, and and it's you're not even feeling it anymore, you could still end up being you know end up getting a, a DUI. So it's more about revenue collection than safety at this point. Surprise, surprise. Um, but in terms of just the general question, if you're truly too impaired to be driving and you're out there driving, uh, then yeah, that's that. I, I would argue that that is. Uh, I, I would argue that that is an act of aggression, and that uh, whether that road were privately owned or a, or a you know a, a, a state or city or federal road uh, where the police would be stopping you for that, I, I think um, I, I think that you you don't have much case to say that you aren't potentially harming people um, out there. So I, that would be my answer to that question. Um, so I hope uh, I hope that answered your question. Couldn't agree more, Spike. You're doing great things. Really love what the campaign's doing, and hope to see more out of you guys in the next few weeks. Thanks, man. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bye. Uh, okay, so three, three, two, one. Area code. Thanks for calling. Who is this? Um, this is James M. Ray. I'm, hey, James. How are you doing? Hey, can you I'm do me so, a favor and, and mute mute the show so I'm not talking behind you? Yeah, I'm so honored to be talking to you guys. Oh, man, I, I'm so glad you called in. How can I help you? Well, um, I just wanted to say that I really support Spike. I'm the admin of the Spike for Florida Group or whatever the heck it is. And um, I don't know whether we're going to have the convention here in Florida or not. And I almost don't even care. I want whatever is best for Spike and Joe. And I just want whatever's best for the LP and I'm a huge fan of Spike and I want him to come to my bench and do my show. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. When we come to uh uh when we come to whenever we get to Florida, we'll be doing your the on the the treehouse bench thing there. Yes. Well, I look forward to it, man, and I appreciate you calling in. Okay, thanks. Um Thank you. if there's anything I can do, I want to do it for you. That means a lot, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, 605 Area Code, thanks for calling in. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Tom. Um, hey, Tom, how are you doing? Birthday. Oh, thank you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. That's great. Thank you for the, the um, birthday wishes. I want to say, um, oh, sorry, I keep speaking for you. I, it's no, no, go ahead. You. Go ahead. It's okay. Secondly, I wanted to say thank you for joining the group. Um, uh, escort Joe Jorgensen to the debate stage. They can't stop us all. They can't um, stop us all. Glad to have you in our group. Yeah, man. Thank you for um, inviting me. We they cannot stop us all. If we physically they can't put if if this what is it sixty eight hundred people on there now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if the yeah in three days if the sixty eight hundred and exponentially growing people all physically, you know, escorted Joe Jorgensen onto the debate stage. I don't believe that any force could actually stop us. Um, I think that, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think, think that so. that's a, a foregone conclusion at that point. So I, I appreciate you calling in. Did you have any questions for me? Yeah. I, I wanted to know how you, um, do you deal with any criticism about your age, um, running for vice president and all? That's a good question. So criticism 
Uh, not so much. Uh, more so the question, like at the age of you know thirty eight, do you think you're ready to lead? If 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 it came to it, and I, my answer is yes. I've been in leadership and uh, and and communication for over twenty years now. Um, I started a web design company when I was seventeen. Grew it into a very successful company uh, on on largely on my own, uh, and then decided to to pivot into libertarian messaging, where I've continued to do leadership on that front as well. Um, so it's certainly uh, not the same experience that uh, many people that are elected to the office get. But we've seen what that leads to. The good news is I don't have any experience in robbing people or sending people off to needless wars or militarizing the police uh, or, you know, uh, helping, you know, sign into law bad, you know, bad laws that infringe upon the rights of the people and make people's lives harder. No experience with that. I have experience in leadership that uh, grew a company that provided tremendous value to the people who used its services. And uh, and I believe that that's uh, a much better model for who we should have as our you know citizen servants uh, in government. So, but so criticism, I'm sure it's out there, but more so, uh, I've gotten mostly like uh, um, I've gotten more so like um, you know just questions about you know with my age. But I've I've also been in p- positions of leadership for over half my life at this point. Okay, oh, that's awesome. I mean, I, I have no doubt. I, I I have full faith in you. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me. I hope I, I hope I answered your question. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Have a great night. This is the fun part of the show because I literally just keep taking calls. It's like a birthday wish can drew. 740 area code. Thank you for calling in. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking with Chrissy. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Chrissy Wickers. Wait, wait, wait. Are, Are we talking the same Chrissy? Chrissy who? How many Chrissies are there, Spike? I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. How are you doing? Uh, am I talking to Spike Cohen? You, no, it's a different Spike. How are you doing? Oh, um, nothing. Just called the girl chat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, boys. I do have a question for you, Spike. Okay. Um, when are you going to join the Chris and Spikey show with Chrissy and Spike? With Spike, the Chris and Spikey show with Spike and Chrissy. Um, yes. Okay. Well, listen. Like I said. I'm going to have to get back to you on the scheduling because between not knowing if I'm going to be in Orlando or here next week um, and also just general, you know, the crazy schedule I have in front of me. But no, we're definitely going to get you booked. We're, we were definitely going to do the Chris and Spikey show with Spike and Chrissy at least a, at least a couple times. Um, and um, I'll also help you find some other insane co-hosts that you can have, too. So it can be the Chris and many other people E show with many other people and Chrissy. But no, we'll definitely we'll definitely be doing, be doing some shows. We can have we can have girl. We can talk about boys. We can talk about boys. Yes, all the cute <laughs> boys in the Libertarian Party. That'll be a short conversation. No, short I um, um, I mean, I, well, it'll be a short conversation because I don't have much to say about boys. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that, but I um, I do uh, yeah. No, we'll definitely be doing something soon. I look forward to it. Yay! Okay, Spike, you're my hero. You're my. You're even more my hero. Yay. All right. Love you, Spikey. All right. I love you, too. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. I'm very sorry to whomever I missed. Here's the text message. Uh, Hi, Spike. Hope you had a great birthday. Purple is my favorite color. Your wife has great taste. I'm looking forward to having a VP who is hilarious and technically savvy. I love how personable you are and your sense of humor. I'm so happy I found the Libertarian Party and this movement. I have hope uh, for the first time in a long time, and I can't wait... Oh. I can't wait to watch this progress. Don't just let your memes be dreams. Thank you so much for for calling for leaving the message. 
603 area code. Thank you for calling. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Spike. This is Richard Manzo. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. It's the, it, These are all my friends calling. Hey, man, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing great, man. Um, happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. How are you doing? Yeah, you look you look absolutely great. Uh, who are you wearing? Me? I'm wearing a shirt my wife got me. So just moving forward in general, if you like what I'm wearing, you can almost certainly assume that it's something my wife got for me because I don't really shop. So I don't know who I'm wearing other than my wife gave it to me and said, wear this. And I am. So I, I appreciate the compliment. And it just confirms I made the right decision marrying my wife. No, yeah, you don't look a day over 37. Um, I wanted to call and ask you uh, when you're going to come out here to New England. I mean, we're all just dying to get you up here. Hopefully we can do something like regional uh, and we can all meet you and take selfies with you. I mean, you know, we're all fans up here and that and all that. And, uh, you know, we the, the, the whole ballot access situation here, the government's not letting us run for office, of course. And uh, we're hoping that you can lead an army of badgers to take over the state capitals up here. <laughs> an army of badgers for ballot, the ballot access badgers. Right, exactly. Perfect. That's, the yeah, ballot access badgers. Yeah, no. So uh, that's a great question. And thank you. And the short answer is we are working on that, getting uh, Joe and I on as many of the, uh, you know, as many of the states as possible between now and Election Day. I think originally we wanted to do a 50 state tour, but, um, you know, the, the, the impact of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, obviously, uh, is, is, is restricting that somewhat. Uh, but the short answer is as soon as we possibly can. Uh, also, this is the time of year I like going up to New England. Uh, when I go up there, as you know, when I go up there, when it's cold, I get very sick. Um, and, uh, because it's, I'm not used to that kind of cold. Uh, so I would love to go up to new England during the summer when it's nice. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, so, uh, very, very soon. So short answer is stay tuned. It'll be very soon. And I, and I appreciate your call. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I just called because I wanted to talk to you and I like for my reunions to be very public. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say, hey everyone, look at me. I'm friends with the person I'm talking with. Well, good. Well, thank you, Richard. I appreciate you calling, man. I love you. All right. Love you too. Bye. All right, man. Bye. 321 area code. I know you have called in a few times. There it is. 321 area code. I was just talking about you. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Brian Fleming. I'm sorry, who? I'm sorry, what is your name? Brian Fleming. Brian, thank you so much for calling. How can I help you? Hey, Spike. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you called in. Uh, I'm new to libertarianism. I got out of the military, uh, retired a couple of years or last year, and uh, sort of been picking up since um, uh, since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm researching and stuff like that, um, my question is, is there's a lot of subjects that it seems like it would be more of a gradual change into changing some of the stuff for the government mm-hmm. uh, as far as taxes and so on and so forth. Uh, and other things that you could change on day one, as as uh, Joe's talking about. What are the type of programs that would be a gradual change, and which ones would be immediate? That's an excellent question. So I think one perfect example of a very gradual change would be, for example, Social Security. You know, we, we know Social Security is a system that was set up to make broken prom- promises that are eventually going to be broken. It is essentially a Ponzi scheme. And I, and I don't say that as... Uh, hyperbole. Uh, if if any of us were to create a uh, investment plan that was written verbatim based on the Social Security plan, 
uh, and tried to sell that as a as a you know a sellable product to the public, we would be arrested for racketeering and and, and Ponzi scheming um, because of the the structure it is set up as a pyramid scheme. Now, with that said. We can't simply end Social Security, even if we had the ability to do so, which we don't. It would take congressional uh, uh, involvement and it's, it's mandatory spending. There would have to be all these changes to the law to be able to do that. It would cause immeasurable suffering to simply eliminate Social Security. And yet, if we let it continue to keep going the way it is, we're eventually going to have a situation where everyone loses their Social Security. And so Joe's plan is actually based largely on, from what I could tell, the Cato Institute 6.2% plan, which is basically that the people that are on Social Security, their Social Security is protected. They do not have to worry about losing what they have. Any people that already have any amount of money into Social Security will be protected. Moving forward, anyone at any point of their involvement in Social Security while they're continuing to get payroll and, and continuing to pay self-employment tax, which is what I did when I was doing my uh, web design company, um, instead of giving that money to that 6.2% to Social Security, uh, they could instead invest it in their own personal uh, investment accounts to invest as they wish. And in, and where usually there's a matching 6.2% uh, that would go with that, that 6.2% from their, the, of, of the payroll tax from the employer would go into Social Security to keep that solvent. And your 6.2% would be in a personal account, which as we know is going to have statistically a much greater gain, as much as 10 times greater gain than it would have, uh, which compounded over time would be an even exponentially greater gain than the the roughly half a percent to 1% gain uh, that uh, Social Security gets over the time that money is put into that. Um, so it is a gradual... Uh, it is a gradual change. And if people want to keep paying into Social Security and getting that lesser uh, amount, they can choose to do that as well. And the beauty of this plan is that it protects the people that want to be in Social Security. It allows the people who do not want to be in Social Security from having to be in it. So it divorces them from having to be in it. And over time, through attrition, uh, as people, more and more people realize it's way better for me to just invest my own money, uh, then over time that program will eventually be able, first of all, it will immediately become solvent. And then second of all, it will over time be able to eventually hopefully be folded completely. And at the very least, for as long as it exists, it will be a voluntary program in that you can either choose to pay into Social Security or pay into your own, uh, pay into your own account. Um, so that is a perfect example of a very, very gradual uh, transition system. A more immediate one would be, for example, ending the wars. Uh, because Congress, through the authorization of use of military force, has basically abdicated their responsibility, responsibility where they're supposed to be declaring and, and undeclaring, declaring wars and then declaring peace, uh, they basically just give the president the authority to keep wars going as long as they want to. The silver lining to that is that once Joe is in office, once she's elected, uh, then she will be able to simply declare that those wars are over and end them and bring the troops home and allow the healing to begin uh, and allow the, the, you know, end the, the, you know, endless stream of, of uh, caskets coming back uh, draped with flags and, and the many more people coming back with all sorts of, you know, PTSD and traumatic brain injury and other injuries and chronic issues and, and things related to the trauma of fighting a war. Um, ending all of that so that the healing can begin both here and over there as well. Um, so that would be a more immediate one. Uh, so I hope that I hope that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, the more incremental approach on some things mm -hmm. versus the more immediate approach. Can I ask one follow-up question? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So my follow-up is uh, I've 
I've de- I've deployed eight times, so I I know about ending the wars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I can see Afghanistan for you know definitely right off the the top stopping and, and pulling out, which is going to be a you know six month to, to one year process anyhow. Yeah, it's not. Um, and, and when I say immediate, they're obviously they don't come home next week. Right. There's a whole pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct, exactly. correct. Yeah, yeah. But my question would be is you know where you know ending a war and then moving people. For instance, out of Saudi Arabia, you know, there's some there's some bases that that we have, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Saudi Arabia, UAE, um, uh, and places like that. Are those mm-hmm. also the bases that that she's talking about uh, as far as bringing them home, and also in NATO um, and PACAF, uh, you know, Pacific Command and stuff like that? So, how far reaching does it actually go? Where some of that may be beneficial for foreign relations and so on and so forth. Right. So Joe's plan, and some of that will have to be phased because some of those things are based on treaties and and congressional approval and authority and things like that. Uh, But her overall plan is bring all of the troops home where they belong and make America into what she likes to call one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. And what that means Mm -hmm. is a return to what the founders wanted, an end to these entangling alliances, an end to this sort of endless war, both hot and cold war, where we are basically using you and, and the rest of the people who've signed up to protect this country as chess pieces in a, in a in sort of a cynical game of, of chess uh, that is largely only benefiting military contractors and foreign dictators. You mentioned Saudi Arabia. The United States government right now is largely funding and arming a Saudi and Al-Qaeda-led genocide in in Yemen, uh, over a quarter of a million civilians dead, uh, over 80,000 children dead. Uh, That makes people hate us. And that makes people, if you're over there, you you said you you deployed eight times. You're over there. That puts a target on your back because of the actions of of largely of cronies and and politicians and bureaucrats that have not made us safer and certainly haven't made you safer over there and definitely haven't made the the victims of those those choices that live over there safer. So the plan is to return to what the U.S. was intended to be, what the founders intended, ending these entangling alliances, uh, ending these these things that lead to, you know, thousands of, of of, of troops dead and, and tens or even hundreds of thousands more dealing with chronic issues. Uh, and then, and, and, and the effect to the families of, of those who have died and who have come back with, with various issues. Uh, another big thing uh, with veterans is the veterans administration, as we know, while I have you on the line and go ahead and talk about this as well, if that's okay. Um, sure. Veterans, yeah. uh, the veterans administration costs more per patient than simply giving the veterans enough money to buy their own private health insurance. And I don't, I'm sure I don't have to tell you the difference between the quality of outcome in relying on the VA versus relying on private health insurance. Yes. And, and so, you know, a way that we would benefit uh, veterans and benefit the taxpayers as well is simply allowing you to go and get your own private health care. And not having, you know, you, you know, having you reliant on a basically a nationalized health system uh, that has failed far too many veterans. I mean, you know better than I what those the terrible outcomes that that has led to in terms of, you know, bad outcomes, you know, ridiculously high veteran suicide rates and all of that thing. We want to end that part of letting the healing begin is dealing with the damage that's already been done. And a big part of that is ending the ridiculous nationalized healthcare system that is the VA and replacing it with allowing the soldiers, giving them what they 
what they should get in exchange for what they promised and what they did gave uh, and, and pr- protecting them and taking care of their healthcare needs moving forward in a way, in a much more, uh, not necessarily free market, but in, in, in a freer market where they're mm-hmm. able to make their own choices in healthcare. So I, I hope these have, have answered your questions. Yes, yes, they have. I appreciate it. And just a little information for you. Also, uh, starting in January of 2021, uh, they're charging, uh, they're raising the rates for um, um, TRICARE Prime for retirees. So now you have to pay an extra 25 bucks a month. Uh, I know it doesn't seem like much, but we're already paying. You're, you're already yeah, paying. So much. Yeah, you're already paying so yeah. much on on largely substandard care that you were roped into mm-hmm. because you you swore an oath to defend the United States and that what you know what a terror and meanwhile the people who sent you over there that have made billions of dollars on the backs of that mm-hmm. uh you know they can get whatever care they want they can get concierge care yeah. on their yachts and and you know we're we're going to end that we're we're going to end that you're going to get the care that you deserve because we're going to put the money in your pocket put the the power back in your hand where it belongs to 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 get the care that you need Awesome, Spike. Hey, I appreciate your time. Good luck, and uh, I'll keep spreading the good word. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you. Okay, uh, 904 area code. I'm sorry. Um, there's been a few. Or 940. Here we go. Yep, 240. That was the other one. 240 area code. Thank you for calling. Who am I speaking with? Hello. Hi. I'm sorry. I can't really hear you. Do you mind muting the, the show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, who is this? Um, my, my name is Jorge. Your name is what? Jorge. Oh, Jorge, thank you for calling in. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. That's great. How can I help you? So I wanted to ask a question. Um, I, I'm pulling out of the Republican Party and becoming a libertarian. And so I'm doing my research and learning more about it. I'm really excited for his election. Yeah, man. Um, so one person that I've followed through the last couple of years is Ben Shapiro who okay. calls himself a libertarian. Um, I would like for you to um, give your perspective on that. And then last night on one of his shows, he um, someone asked him a question asking why he, what, what his thoughts are on the libertarian party. Uh, and he said uh, they can't get their act together. And there's a part of the group that, values drug use over small government so i just wanted to hear your response to that okay well thank you for that uh ben shapiro is uh, a conservative and i know he uh, at least occasionally calls himself a libertarian i would be interested to hear his definition of libertarian um he has had some positions that i guess are liberty friendly but when it comes to foreign policy he's almost as big of a war hawk as, as, you know, John Bolton and some of the others out there. So I, I would really challenge the idea of Ben Shapiro um, being a libertarian. He may, he may be a libertarian leaning among, I guess, war hawks or something, but I, I, I wouldn't classify him as a libertarian. I'm, I'm certain there are times that we agree on things. Regarding his take on... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Um, regarding his, his thoughts on the, the Libertarian Party... Um, I, I'm not sure where his take is on we care more about legal drugs than smaller government. First of all, if the government's smaller and put back in its place where the founders intended, then drugs would be legal because they never wanted the government to tell you what you could or could not put in your body. Oh. So I, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time deciphering what he meant by that. Um, I will say yeah, the he biggest- said, uh, you, there's a sect of the party that 
values drug use over small government. Oh, drug use over small government? I'm not sure what to tell him. I mean, I don't I don't know how many Libertarian Party members he knows because even the ones I know that like to drink and, and occasionally do drugs. And by the way, I say this as someone who has been sober for 14 years. Uh, I have not been I have not uh, used uh, drugs in pretty much the entire time I've been a Libertarian. Um, but even those who do occasionally, uh, you know, use uh, drugs and alcohol. They're in the Libertarian Party because they want to take government down to size and take it down to task and uh, and have a society that is more based on voluntary, peaceful interactions between consenting individuals who want to work together to solve the problems that often are imposed uh, upon us by the uh, Republicans and Democrats. Um, I, 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 I respectfully disagree with this take on the Libertarian Party. I guess I'll put it that way. Sure. And can I ask one other question? Sure, absolutely. Um, so if you were to, you and uh, Joe Jorgensen were to uh, win, win this election, how would that look at the libertarian uh, executive branch uh, working with uh, legislators that are not libertarian, that are either Democrat or Republican? These are great questions, man. So uh, obviously, if we get elected... More than likely, we're going to have some libertarians uh, in Congress who get elected as well. Some, I'm sure Justin Amash will get reelected. Uh, you know, Brad Barron out in Kentucky will get elected. Kerry McKinnon will get elected. Justin O'Donnell will get elected and, 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 and others. Um, you know, so we'll have some people in Congress and Senate. Uh, uh, but more than likely, at least in the Senate, uh, we'll still be dealing with a Republicrat majority uh, who will have a vested interest in trying to uh, stop us as much as they can. Now, with that said... They kind of created a situation that they can't handle at this point. So because they have so abdicated their responsibility over the last several decades by creating one alphabet agency after the next and giving them nearly unlimited regulatory power, just putting more and more control in the hands of the executive branch uh, and taking it out of their own hands uh, so that they didn't have to take responsibility on tough votes and they could just instead pressure the regulators to make the regulations they wanted. Once Joe Jorgensen gets reelected... She can just undo all of that, or, or most of it. She can undo any of the harmful stuff, any of the harmful regulations that are out there without really having to consult Congress. And in fact, we just got that backed up that she can even fire whomever she wants and not have to rehire them. There was just a Supreme Court decision regarding the Consumer Financial Protection, yeah, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, where uh, Trump wanted to fire uh, the, the member of the, the uh, chair of the CFPB. And Congress said, no, you can't do that. The rule says that, uh, you know, that you can only fire her for certain reasons. And the Supreme Court said, nope, he can fire for any reason. It's an executive branch uh, position. He can fire and hire as he wishes or fire and not hire anyone. So there will be a lot of that happening under a Jorgensen administration uh, where a lot of people are going to get fired, and not hired because they, they aren't needed. And the regulations fall well outside of the bounds of the limitation of government that was intended by the founders when they wrote the Constitution. Um, and so and in doing that, people will see the immediate benefits of that, of, of, of having less restrictions on their lives and rights and allowing them to thrive more and do better. And on the strength of the benefit that comes from that, we will then be able to use that and the bully pulpit that we have in the White House to draw a very clear line in the sand. And on the one side of that line is Joe and, and I and, and our, our colleagues and allies in the Congress who are working to remove the boot from the neck of the people as they 
uh, work to thrive and, and grow and innovate and be able to build a, a financial and social legacy for themselves and their children and their communities. And on the other side of that line are going to be the Republicans and the Democrats who are working to keep that boot on their necks uh, for no other uh, to and, and allow continued endless and needless suffering for no other reason than to preserve their own power and wealth and influence. And I think that that will be a very powerful, uh, you know, carrot stick approach to uh, get many of these, uh, you know, flagging members of the dying parties uh, to join us, uh, if not in joining our party, at least joining us on certain legislation we want passed to be able to free the people even more. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question. Sure. Yeah, it does. Cool, cool, man. Well, I, I really greatly appreciate your call. And uh, and uh, thank you again. Hey, by the way, welcome to the party. I'm so happy to hear uh, every, every time we get more and more people joining the party it always makes me so happy, Jorge. So thank you so much for calling and thank you for joining. And I, I, I look forward to campaigning with you this year. Yeah, um, I've already converted five or six people. That's awesome. My man. Thank you so much, man. That means a lot to me. Great talking to the future uh, vice president. Thanks, man. That means a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Later. All right. Bye. 801 area code. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is uh, Devin. Hi, Devin. How are you doing? Would you mind uh, muting the show real quick? Behind you? It's muted for you. Perfect, perfect. And you said your name's Devin? Yeah. Devin, how are you doing tonight? Good. I'm really actually excited to talk to you. I've been wanting to actually meet you in person. Oh, nice. Well, I am excited to talk with you as well. How can I help you? I just uh, had a question. I've I've got friends who are libertarian, and I've been a I've been a uh, voluntarist for probably about four years. Okay. Um, and I I have some friends who are anarchists, voluntarists, you know, whatever you want to call them, libertarians. Yeah. Okay. They don't want to vote because they don't believe that it's that it's effective or it's even worth voting or that okay. voting is pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have Do you have like a something that you would say to them that says like gives them a reason to vote or a reason to, you know, see the point in voting and how it could help the libertarian party advance. Absolutely. And I appreciate your call and, and asking Devin. Um, so this is a great thing. So we have a lot of libertarians that are so libertarian that they don't even want to vote anymore. And uh, they don't just want a voluntary society. They don't even want to participate in voting. And the two big reasons they give are, um, uh, voting is a waste of time. It's not going to do anything. Um, and then the second e- reason that they give is that voting is basically an act of proxy violence, that when you are voting, you are saying, this is my will, and I want to impose it upon others against their will, which, I mean, the democratic system, that's how it works. When when people are voting, whichever side wins, their will gets imposed on everyone else. So the anarchist position or the, the position of many anarchists and voluntarists on voting is that voting is violence. Now, the position of myself and many other voluntarists within the Libertarian Party is that voting is violence. And the way we vote is defensive violence. We are voting in self-defense. We are voting for policies to end the harm that's happening and to remove the barriers that are making it harder for people to thrive and removing the bad, centrally planned, arbitrarily defined and crony-friendly 
policies that are leading to a widening gap between those who have and those who have not because the system has been set up for the wealthy to impose their will, the wealthy and powerful to impose their will upon us. And when I say wealthy and powerful, I don't mean, you know, the guy that's got a nice house and three cars. I'm talking about the small handful of people that own 80 or 90 percent of the world's wealth, of the country's wealth. Um, they impose themselves on us through their crony relationships with the pandering uh, craven politicians in the Republican and Democrat parties that they get elected into office. And uh, and so we are against that. And our votes are against that. It is it is an act of self-defense. Uh, and so, you know, if, if we call it violence, that is defensive violence. Um, going back to your original question, which was about the idea that it's a waste of time. Well, let's say it is. You wasted 20 minutes. You showed up, you voted, you mm-hmm. said what you wanted, you said that you voted for someone who you know wants to reduce the harm and, and, and move us t- more towards a more voluntary-based society. Worst case scenario is you lost whatever time you spent standing in line and then, and then voting. Uh, best case scenario uh, is that we win. And, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a scenario in between that is that we do better than we ever did before, which helps to change the cultural conversation away from ever-growing government and towards, uh, you know, towards a smaller and reducing government, something closer to voluntarism, something closer to a free market society. Um, that's the best case scenario. Uh, so, or that's one of the better case scenarios. But the worst case scenario, you spent some time, you went and voted, it didn't work. And that's it. So that's that's my answer to that. And I say that as, you know, as a voluntarist, as someone who believes in a free market society, uh, that it is an act of defensive violence. And if it works, what an amazing thing we can accomplish. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did answer my question. Thank you. Cool, man. Have a great night. Hey, you too. Nice talking to you. You too. Bye. Okay. 904 area code. Thanks for calling in. Uh, who am I speaking with? Um, hi, my name's Liz. You you broke up. What's your name? I'm I'm sorry. I'm having so much. Your name is what again? I apologize. You're fine. My name's Lizzie. Lizzie, thank you so much for calling. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, so I do have a question right off the bat. I've been trying to ask it for a few of your shows now. Okay. Um, so I know there's a few different views or stances as far as taxes go in the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. If you ask outside of the campaign, I just wonder more so what your stance and Joe's stance is on taxes and then kind of your view on the tax industry and the lobbyists that kind of keep, you know, the taxes being so hard on the American people as it is. And, okay. and like kind of like what you guys would do to, to change that, perhaps. So I like uh, I like Joe's answer on this. She wants to get rid of the IRS uh, and she wants to stop the income tax. And someone asked her, um, you know, well, if we don't have the income tax, would you be okay with the fair tax? And she said, I'm fine with any new tax plan as long as the uh, percent the rate on it is zero percent. There is no such thing as a fair tax. The only fair thing is not to rob people. Uh, our take is the Libertarian Party's most, I guess, most staunch take on taxation, that all taxation is theft and that the services we need from government uh, can be provided by voluntary service fees for services. Uh, that's why Joe was against uh, having an IRS. That's why she's against having these tariffs, all of these things that the government imposes, which 
not only don't help us, but they actually sap from our wealth. And they also impose a system on people where they're told that the services they need are going to be provided to them, whether they like it or not. And they're going to have to pay for it, whether they like it or not. And if they don't go along with it, their lives are ruined. And like you said, an entire industry is built around it. You have an industry built around the uh, cronyism of knowing that instead of having to provide value to the market in order to become wealthy, they can just get to the federal trough and get their preferred politicians in place in both parties, the Republican and Democrat parties, and they can just sit there at the trough and wait for the money to roll in and take it as they wish because they they send, they create their, their legislation and their preferred regulation and they hand it off to the politicians and they say, go make it the law and go make it the new regulation and we're going to keep putting millions of dollars in your uh, campaign war chest. And the politicians go, Sounds good to me. And they sign it off and it becomes a law or, become, or they, they, they hand it off to the president and they make it a regulation. And uh, the politicians stay in place. The big businesses spent millions of dollars to get hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars in uh, taxpayer money back. And it's a, it's a racket. It is a racket. It is trickle up theft. And um, all taxation is also inherently regressive. Uh, if you were to tax the wealthy, if you were to just have just a 100% tax on the tax on the on the wealth or the 90% tax on the wealth of the only of the wealthiest and everyone else paid a 0% tax rate. What would end up happening is they would simply add that tax to the price of the goods and services that they sell and rent to all of us and then we'd be paying it. When we bought that, we'd be paying that tax. And so if you are a net consumer, which the vast majority of us are, you're the one paying all the taxes. And that's why that and the Federal Reserve are why we see an ever-growing gap between the wealthy and the poor. Because the wealthy get all that money for whatever they want, and then they pay the taxes on it, which they just cipher down to us and have us pay for it. So we're getting stuck with the bill without even really realizing it. And we're also, you know, we're not really getting the service. They're getting the service. Um, even those of us on a social safety net, we get a, if, if we get an EBT or food stamp card, what do we do with it? We go to Walmart. They get that money back. Uh, we, we get, uh, you know, a rental voucher. So what do we go? What do we do? We go to an apartment. The apartment companies get their money back. It's a shell game. It doesn't help us. It, it harms us and we're being robbed to pay for it. So I, uh, I hope that answered your question. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. I especially think, you know, uh, the, the smaller threshold you are in, in that income bracket, the more likely you are to even get audited. And I think that also is like a huge theft, you know, for the American people also. So uh, that definitely yeah. answered my question. Thank you. Happy belated birthday. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Have a great night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And uh, 416 area code. Um, I'm sorry if I missed you. If you want to try calling back, I believe 416 is Canada. So we might be getting some international calls here. Um, let's see while we're waiting for some uh, more calls coming in. Uh, all taxation is paid by the middle class. Essentially, yeah, Tim. I mean, all taxation is paid by the people who are the consumers, and that's largely the the, the various uh, you know blue collar classes. Um, let's see here. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Area code. Thanks for calling. Uh, who is this? This is James M. Ray again. I just wanted to ask you another question. Um, you've been great tonight, Spike. You're the best. Um, Here's what I wanted to say. Okay. What do you want us to do? I already abstained from voting tonight, but what do you want us to do as far as an Orlando convention? Do you want us to have one in person? Do you want us to not have one in person? 
I don't even care. I just want to help you and Joe. Okay. And I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to give a very politic politician answer that you may not like. Because of the position I'm in within the Libertarian Party, I don't feel comfortable saying what I would like to happen. Um, because I don't want to be seen as swaying the LNC members or the delegates in one direction or another. I will say that I trust <laughs> the that I trust the uh, LNC members to make a choice. Uh, that I mean, this is just a straight up politician answer, man. Uh, I, I trust. No, the no, delegate. that's how I feel, and I love you too, man. I, I, I love I, you. I, I love tr- you so much. Well, I love you too, man. But I, I trust the members to make a choice that balances the 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 public safety and health concerns of the of the uh, the members and their families uh, with the uh, you know the need to get this done and 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 the need yeah. of many to to want to have something in person. Um, I, I, and, I trust them to make that balance to make that choice. Uh, I will say this: if I if I am there, if, if they vote for in person, I will be in Orlando. If they vote for yeah. you know vote to cancel it and to be uh, you know to have it online, I will be online. So wh- whatever they choose, I will be there. Okay, I just want you to come to Venice, where I may not have a microphone the, the size of my entire face, <laughs> but I still have a great tree, and I just want you and Joe to do my show. And so that's the my, that's my main goal in life. Well, that's but that's my you, goal man. as well. I love you too, and I'm bringing my mic and hanging it from your tree. So I don't know what to tell you. Oh man, but, uh, that's going to be great. <laughs> it'll be perfect. It'll be great. So, but thank you again for calling. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Nine four zero area code. Thank you for calling. Who am I speaking with? Well, Zach, sorry, I'm this quick. I, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I can't hear you. What was that? Hey, I'm. This is Zach calling in. Hey, how are you doing? How can I help I you? A bad echo on your end. On my end? Yeah. Are um, you? Are sorry, do you I'll... have my show muted? I do. Okay, and it's still echoing. Uh, I think we're. I think we're good. Let okay, me, go, um, do good. Well, okay, so I wanted to ask about how you feel the uh, uh, totally free market would regulate itself against bad actors, companies that would willingly deceive. Uh, their patrons in order to turn a buck or cause harm? That's an excellent question. And I will use one of the, the, I guess, stickiest examples in order to answer your question. Um, Because part of a free market also involves the ability to litigate, to hold bad actors responsible in either arbitration or some kind of court setup. So, for example, the environment. We have seen the government's answer to the environment. They created the EPA, and similar state agencies that basically take their cues from the EPA. What does the EPA do? They create regulations that largely make it uh, impossible for small and medium-sized businesses that are in certain sectors of the economy to be able to operate. So they either have to go out of business or you know fold under and 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 you know work under a larger company, but they can't do it themselves. And so it cuts off the competition. For the big businesses whose lobbyists wrote those regulations up. And now what happens? When those big businesses leak and 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 have spills and 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 pollute the air and have meltdowns and everything else, when they do Im- almost immeasurable harm to the tune of sometimes trillions of dollars, they get a, a few million dollar fine from the government. Which is like, it's not even a slap on the wrist. They get like an eyelash basically barely touching against the edge of their wrist. It's nothing. They barely even feel it. Especially compared to all the damage they just did. 
what does the EPA do next? And the federal government protects them, indemnifies them against lawsuits. We've been talking about qualified immunity, you know, about abusive police officers not being held accountable, uh, abusive government officials and politicians not being held accountable. This is qualified immunity for people that do oil spills and, you know, and and pipeline leaks and all of the stuff that causes also and and chemical spills into our lakes and rivers that we get our water from that we drink and bathe in. Um, And they get little tiny fines and then they get protected against being sued by us. And the justification is, well, if they got sued, they'd go out of business. Good. They shouldn't have done that. But what's the next thing that happens? The cost of that cleanup we have to pay for it. They externalize the cost of that cleanup for those businesses onto us, the people who were just victimized by those businesses. And 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 again, they go, well, if we don't have the taxpayer pay for it, they could go out of business. Good. If they knew that they could be sued, and if they knew that they could be forced to make, to pay for the cleanup, but at the very least, if they knew they could be sued to pay for that cleanup, they wouldn't do it. They'd regulate themselves far better than the government ever would. Or if there's not a way to profitably do that type of polluting business, they wouldn't do it. They'd find something else to do. They'd find some other innovative way to do the same thing in a way that doesn't pollute as much, which is the whole point of the market. It's the whole point of environmental protection. It is the point of moving ahead and innovating in a way where we pollute less and less and less and innovate and 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 provide and thrive more and more and more. And that is hampered by a government that underwrites and externalizes and protects the companies who do that damage. They don't need to innovate. They don't even need to take basic safety precautions because they know they'll just get a little fine. And then the, the, the big cost, the, the litigation and the cost of cleanup, someone else will take care of that. They're victims. The people they just leaked into their, their lakes and rivers, they'll pay for it. In a free market system, they could be sued. They could be run out of town. They could be told because they just acted in aggression. They could be told to give up everything they have. And that deterrence would stop them from polluting in the first place. It would make them put far greater regulations on themselves than the government ever would. And because the smaller businesses would never be able to even do that much damage, they could also self-regulate, but in a way that would cost much less because the relative damage they can do is less, which means they could also stay in business and you know, be deterred from, from you know, doing even smaller uh, environmental damage. This works for everything. If you remove government's protection of cronies and bad actors and allow them to be held accountable by the market, not just in lawsuits, but in, you know, uh, reviews from people that do business with them and everything else. If you allow the market to hold bad actors accountable, including with lawsuits, instead of externalizing their costs to the taxpayer and protecting them from, you know, any, any real repercussions from what they did, the market will regulate itself. Not because they're, you know, angels and beautiful people. It's because they don't want to lose everything. It's a, it's a basic self-protection. So that is how the free market would work as opposed to what the government imposes upon us. It would actually work. The foxes would no longer be protecting the hen house. So I hope that answers your question. Definitely does. I've, I've got another one if you've got time for it. Sure. Um, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to kind of balance out my my enthusiasm for the Libertarian Party, brand new um, follower, supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm looking for some good deep criticism, something to sort of temper my understanding here, and I'm not really finding anything. What do you think is the biggest weakness of libertarian philosophy or, or perhaps the biggest room for improvement? I don't, you know, I mean, I'm a doctrinaire libertarian, so it's hard for me to say that we have a weakness. I think we have things that are the hardest to message uh, because of a combination of how emotionally wrought they are and also the fact that uh, government and major media has quite a head start in messaging to people. Uh, and I'd say one example of that is healthcare. So it is hard for, I, I get so many people, because we've brought in a lot of people to the Libertarian Party who used to be on, you know, more the, the Democrat progressive left, and they've realized that they're never going to get the, the criminal justice reform and the end of the wars and the end of the drug wars that they want from the Democrats, who are every bit as much the architect of those things as the Republicans. But when they first come over, they go, yeah, but what about health care? Isn't health care a right? I'm worried about, you know, a, a single emergency room visit destroying me financially and me losing absolutely everything. I'm worried about, you know, I'm worried about, you know, a loved one with a chronic health condition, you know, ending up not being able to get treatment because they can't afford it. And, you know, I'm hearing all these other countries have free health care. And it seems like if we're so wealthy, we should be able to do that too. What do libertarians think about that? And unfortunately, we often... We fall for the bait. We go, well, healthcare is not a right. You know, you should read about positive and negative rights. You'd never say such a thing. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is they're worried about healthcare. They're worried about the cost. They're scared of the possibility of having an accident or a medical emergency that ends up ruining their life for years or possibly forever that they can never get out from behind that debt um, because of the ridiculous nature of our healthcare system. The way I message healthcare to them is I say, yeah, our healthcare system's terrible. It costs a fortune. We're spending three times as much as the as the national as the the, the world average per per patient. Uh, our our government alone is spending more money per taxpayer per patient uh, than the entire or, or more money per patient than all but a, a small handful of like three or four other countries. So we have a government run healthcare system, which is absolutely terrible in terms of how much it costs. We're not getting three times the care that the average other country is getting, but we're paying three times as much. And then I, so I show them in doing so, and you can do the same when you're talking with it, and anyone listening can do the same when you're talking to people about libertarian approaches to healthcare. The first thing you have to do, and this is not just on healthcare, in general, I do this every show. The effective way, and I'm sorry, my chair is not cooperating with me and it's giving me a hard time. The way that you communicate libertarian ideas, really communicate anything new to someone, you don't start by giving them a really great argument. We tend to think as libertarians that we just have to craft the perfect argument, the most logically sound and perfectly tuned, perfect, pitch-perfect argument. And we simply present that argument, and the people looking at it go, my God, this argument is so logical that I have been completely overtaken by it. I'm now a libertarian. Well, that's rarely works. It really only works with someone who's wired to systemize things and look at things as, you know, greater concepts, as opposed to how most people look at things, which is they look at the immediate thing in front of them and say, uh, I don't like how this is going. Maybe we should do it this way. The way that you reach people is first, you have to listen to them. And what you do when you're listening to them, you're doing two things there. One thing for them and one thing for you. You are, for them, you are showing them that you care you are giving them that opportunity to release their concerns and their fears and their hopes and their dreams and everything else. And what you're doing for your side is you're identifying their problem. You are hearing what it is they care about. So if they come to you with healthcare, you say, that's a great question. What do you think about healthcare? 
And they're like, well, let me tell you what I think about healthcare. They say the whole thing. And you take your cues. In sales, we call it pain points, but that's not really a good way to use it in politics. You're listening to their concerns. You're hearing their cues as to what they're worried about. Don't worry about them saying stuff like healthcare is a right or I want gun safety or, you know, government should be doing this. That's filler. What you are, what they are worried about is their concerns. Listen to the actual concern. I'm scared of the cost of healthcare. I'm scared I'm going to lose everything. I'm scared my loved ones are going to lose everything. Our healthcare system is way too expensive. That is the concern. That is what we agree with. And after they've said those things, the next step is to demonstrate and reflect back to them that you heard what they had to say. You're absolutely right. Healthcare is terrible. I'm worried about healthcare too. I don't want to, you know, end up in a, in a bad situation like that. Um, you know, when, when I talk to people, I relate to them that I have MS and that, you know, my MS has been stable because I'm able to get a good treatment. But there are unfortunately many other people who are of lesser means who haven't been able to get the same treatment because of the ridiculously high cost of uh, treatments related to MS and other chronic health disorders. Um, and so I, you know, I, I address that with them and you can do the same. Now what you've done is you have begun the process of them seeing that you actually care, that you were listening and that you relate to them. Then you can take them on the journey. So for example, with healthcare, you can start talking about the history of every time healthcare, uh, government has gotten involved in healthcare the cost has gone up. You can talk about how the pharmaceutical companies squat on patent protections from governments and jack up the prices of existing medications, drugs that have been around longer than most of us have even been alive, like insulin, epinephrine, jack them up a hundredfold, a thousandfold, and no one can do anything about it because the government is protecting their patent and not letting you go to another country where it's you know pennies on the dollar and bring it back here, even though it's legal there and legal here, but illegal for you to get it and bring it back here to protect those cronies and their their rent seeking in the in the form of of paying of charging more and more for essentially what should be generic drugs. You talk about this stuff. You show that you actually have some knowledge about this subject because now they actually care about what you think. There's a phrase, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. And I wish I could claim ownership of that, but I actually just heard it a few days ago and it's perfect. Now you can take them on the journey. You can show them that you are knowledgeable on this subject, that your arguments are logical and make sense, and that libertarian solutions, because once you've told them what the problems are, then you can present the libertarian solutions, how to reduce the cost of healthcare by 75, 85, maybe even 90% by just removing those barriers and burdens that have been put in place by Medicare and Medicaid, uh, red tape, and uh, and, and, uh, mandatory health insurance, red tape, and patent protections and certificate of need laws, all of that stuff. And then you can talk about removing that stuff and how healthcare would work in a market set free. But you can't do that until you get the, until you get their their heart and their mind. You have to win their hearts and minds. Um, but so healthcare is a really really tough one. But um, again, if you win their hearts and minds, you can take them on the longest. You can take them on the greatest journey on the most fraught subject. Uh, but you got to you got to show you care first. That's why we're trying to change the way that libertarians talk to people. This movement is going to be is a movement. This movement is a movement of empathy and kindness and dynamic messaging and reflecting back to people that we do care. Libertarianism, and I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant from your question, so I apologize. Libertarianism is the most empathetic message in the political world. You own yourself and your life. You own your body. You own your labor, and you own the product of your labor, your property, and we will stand alongside you and fight 
against anyone who tries to take those things from you so that you can thrive and associate with others and grow things that could have never been possible from a cynical, pandering, craven government who is trying to harm you at every step for no other reason than to preserve the power and the influence of themselves and their cronies. What an empathetic message. So let's share it that way. Let's share it with the same empathy with which we believe it. Why not? It's hard to win an argument. It's very easy to win a conversation because you don't just have to win. Everyone can win in that conversation. So I hope that answered your question. Absolutely did. Thank you so much, Spike, for Thank taking you, my call. Um, I, I really appreciate your intellect and your attitude and your empathy here. And I'm looking forward to a great campaign from you and I'm looking, this, this fall. I'm looking forward to it too, man. Have a great night. Me too. Thank you. So 636 area code, I know you're trying. I know you're trying, and I'm so sorry. Keep keep it up. I'm going to stay up a little bit more so that we can do this, uh, um, so we can get you in. 636 area code, and then also, I guess, 580 area code. And then we had a 416, but I think they gave up. Um, but, yeah. So uh, I will stay on a little bit longer and see what's going on here. 913, well, there's one. 913 area code. Uh, thanks for calling in. Who am I speaking with? Uh oh. So I just took one call, but then I think they hung up, and then I hung up on the other call. But I, they had already hung up on me. Okay. Um, here's a call. Here's a question from seven one four area code in the messages. Hey Spike, happy belated birthday! Thank you. I was curious. Do you plan to have a strong presence on TikTok? And if so, what is the plan? Gen Z sees the strings that control the system. They are pretty fired up about their first participating election. What are your thoughts on reaching them? Yes, absolutely. We are starting on TikTok. We're gonna have a very, very strong presence on TikTok. I just made my first few TikTok videos, and uh, we're also doing obviously on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Twitch, disc. Uh, I believe on Discord as well. Yeah, Discord as well. We're going to be all over the place. Um, and that's growing right now. Uh, like I said, Caitlin uh, is Cloven is now my social media manager. She and the team are going to be helping a lot with us reaching that. It's like you said, Gen Z, I'm a millennial, but I'm like an old millennial. So I'm like almost a generation Xer. Gen Z has been completely left behind by this system. And they're also one of the most highly educated generations in recent memory. So they acutely are aware of how far left behind they are by this system. Uh, they're a great group of people. I, I've been able to have some uh, absolutely deep conversations with people who are like 19 um, and they, they get it. So yes, absolutely. We'll be doing that. 636 area code. Thanks for calling in. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Mike. Uh, this is Hi, I'm sorry. Um, it, it broke up when you said your name. What is your name again? Uh, hi, Mike. I'm, I'm Michael. I'm in Missouri. Hey, Michael, um, how are you doing? I, I have a question about voting rights. So okay. in Missouri, kind of pre-COVID-19, we were in a situation in Missouri where there's no mail voting, no early voting, no voting absentee without uh, an excuse. Yet if you wanted to write somebody in, that person would have to register with the state before you could write somebody in, right. uh, there's a lot of barriers being put up by, you know, particularly the state that I live in, which is dominated by one of the two major parties mm -hmm. in order to uh, allow people to exercise their right to vote. And so I was wondering, you know, your views on uh, voting rights and removing as many of those barriers as we can to, you know, allow people to vote for the candidate of their choice. 
Thank you very much. That means a lot to me, and I appreciate your your question. So, um, like you said, the barriers are higher and getting higher every day. Now, if it makes you feel any better, uh, in other states besides Missouri, uh, sometimes it's the other political party that's setting up those barriers. That probably didn't make you feel any better. Uh, it really, it really <laughs> just to say, it doesn't matter whether it's Republicans or Democrats. They're all doing the same thing. That the one one of the main many things that Republicans and Democrats agree on is that they need to shut out literally everybody else. Um, and so, uh, and then, and it shows the ever tightening restrictions on, uh, getting ballot access, the ability, not, you know, not allowing people to, um, uh, you know, to write in votes, uh, you know, like you said, uh, you know, ridiculous registration requirements, uh, and, and so forth that are making it harder and harder for people to vote. And more importantly for them to vote for who they want, really just make it really hard for them to vote and then give them two terrible options that just happen to be the same two parties who have run everything for over 160 years now and uh, and have created all the problems that we're facing. What a coincidence that those are our only real choices. Um, and so, you know, I would argue that these things are violations of the First Amendment in, to some extent because they're violating your ability to exercise your opinion in the form of voting. Um, but with that said, the most important thing here uh, is that we continue to affect the cultural conversation, because there is no way to stop an idea whose time has come. And I believe libertarianism, our time has come, especially in in the wake of, you know, people on both the left and right protesting, overreaching government and everything else. Um, I, I, I believe that, you know, that we have a very special time right now. Um, but the bottom line is that the more people know about us, the more they will demand to have us as the option to vote for because it's the only option they'll want. So it's a full court press. We fight for ballot access. We fight for the ability for people uh, to be able to vote for us. We fight for we vote for, we uh, fight for people to be able to vote to make the uh, ability to vote easier. Things like you said, mail in voting. Um, we fight for the ability of of you know convicted felons to vote because who better to decide things on how government should run than the people who are often the big, greatest victims of the abuses of government. Um, so you know we we do these things. And it helps with the voting, but we also are moving forward on presenting people our ideas. Because if we get enough people signed up for our our, our ideas and wanting to move that forward as the as the way to to move forward for the for America, and and realizing that Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen and the rest of the libertarians running up and down the ballot are the only real viable option moving forward, there's no way they're going to be able to stop us. We'll have to be the ones that get voted for, and so it's just a full court press. On, on every single subject. So I, I hope that answered your question. It, it did. And I want to, I want to say, uh, I agree that it's the libertarian time has come. Uh, it'll be an honor to vote for you and Joe cast my first vote for a libertarian. And I wish you the best in the campaign. That means a lot, man. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. It's always an honor when people see how happy they are to vote for us. So, Uh, 416 area code. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking with your so wife. how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing amazing. How can I help you? I was calling just to tell you that I wanted to say that you are magnificently brilliant, titillatingly alluring, and you're transformatively revolutionizing the party. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of myself. Titillatingly alluring, huh? 
This is my wife, by the way. I that. said I said that already. Oh, did you say I didn't hear when you said that? So yeah, yeah. So yeah. so you find me. Here's my takeaway: you find me alluring, <laughs> and you want to be transformed by me. Is that correct? No, I said you're transforming the party. Oh, okay, but not you. Yeah. Okay, no. well, that's fair. No, that's fair. Definitely not. Well, thank you. I that think means... I transform you more than you transform that's, me. That's correct. Um, so, well, thank you so much for your call. Did you have a question for me? No, that was it. Okay, well, I also uh, find you titillating and alluring as well. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. I love you. All right. All right, love you, bye. All right, love you too, bye. That was a nice call from my wife. 863 area code, uh, thanks for calling. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking with John Mintesky, it's important. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's great. How can I help you? All right. I have one question for you, Spike, and that's in related to the convention. Okay. And what are your thoughts um, on the convention? Um, it's supposed to be happening next week. Should we cancel or should we not cancel? This is an excellent question, and it was actually asked. James Ray called and asked, and unfortunately, I because of the position I'm in, I have to give a really, like, politician-y answer so i apologize in advance because of the position i'm in uh i don't feel that it's prudent for me to say i think we should do this or that because i don't want it to be seen as pressure on the uh on the lnc or the delegates or anyone else to adopt something just because of the position i'm in Uh, i think that there is a very healthy and robust debate happening right now and i trust the principles involved i trust the lnc members and the and the delegates and the people who are involved in this debate to come up with the best answer that balances, you know, public health concerns and the health concerns of the of the members and their families and loved ones uh, with, you know, with our needs to, to have a convention and to and to move forward on policy. And um, and so I, I really like I said, I, I, I definitely have an opinion. Um, but I, I just, because of my position, if I, if I hadn't been nominated, I would be giving my opinion because, uh, of my position. Uh, I, I, I don't feel comfortable doing so. What I will say is this, if, if they, if they decide to stay, stay with the in-person, uh, convention, I will be there. In fact, I'll be hosting a, 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 um, a panel on gun rights there. Uh, and if, uh, if we end up doing it online, I will be at that. So I will respect the will and the wishes of the, the LNC, uh, as directed by their region members and delegates, um, and uh, and I, I trust them to make the right choice um, as they determine it to be. So, like I said, I'm not used to giving those types of politician answers, but it's a brave new world. I think it's a great non-answer, and um, you get to other people. I'm sorry? I said that's a great uh, non-answer. <laughs> I think it's very fair um, and very politician but I'll Thank let you, you. Get to other callers. I appreciate that. Thank you for thank you for noticing my politician-y uh, response to the answer. Thank you, man. Have a great right, night. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. All right, cool. I think we're going to take, what is it? Oh, it's 930. Wow. Um, you know, time flies when you're taking many, many, many phone calls. So I'm going to take, I think, one more call. And Oh, no. Um, okay, I'm going to take one more call, and then we'll, we'll call it a night. 219 area code. Thank you so much for calling. Who am I speaking with? Hi, my name's Kristen. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. That means a lot. How can I help you? Um, I am a VA employee. 
Okay. So as you can imagine, this is kind of a scary situation for me to be in where I'm looking at all this change and I'm loving what I see, but also I'm a government employee uh, looking at a new uh, situation where government is being lessened. So I'm worried about that part. And also I'm worried about the elimination of VA. I think it's a great idea to change that to make it a more marketable thing, but I'm worried about the vets who uh, don't have the mental capacity to decision-make and to do like that shopping thing. They've always been institutionalized to use the VA. Right. What would the party think about that? That's an absolutely, that is an excellent question, and I'm glad that you brought it up. I will defer on specifics to Joe, but I would imagine that when we are looking at transitioning to a system of you know, putting the po- money back in the pockets uh, of, of the vets to be able to make their own health care choices. So there's two aspects of your question. One you as someone who works for the VA, what happens to you? And two, what happens to those soldiers who, because of various situations, don't have the capacity to make those choices? And those are both excellent questions. So I'll start with you. How, how does this affect you? Your services are still going to be needed, right? Like the, 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 we are not ending demand for healthcare. We're, we're shifting it into a market that, uh, that the uh, veterans need that are going to get better service. And, and by the way, I, I want to say, this is not an indictment of you. Uh, you, I'm certain, as a VA employee, are facing all sorts of times that you feel very frustrated because you are having to deal with the bureaucrat- you know, bureaucracy of government. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That makes it more difficult for you to do your job. That is true sometimes. Okay. And so my what we are proposing, what Joe is proposing, is that that bureaucracy and red tape that comes from you know the bad central planning of a of a nationalized healthcare system for veterans also makes it harder for you because it makes it harder for you to do your job and it robs money for for lack of a better word it robs money from both you as the provider and the vet veterans as the consumer and the taxpayers as the as the people you know paying and underwriting it um so there is you know to that extent there's money that and you as a taxpayer as well um and so there is that that's being returned, but also the fact that your services will be needed. Uh, and I think any any real good transition plan is going to be that you know transitioning people who are who are doing the 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 you know the 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 right things and helping veterans within the VA and trying their best with bureaucracy and red tape often making their job harder them being transitioned into a more uh you know a, a more robust free market form of that same form of healthcare so you're still doing your job you're still providing probably providing services to veterans or maybe providing to all sorts of people but also to veterans um and you'll be doing the same job you'll just be doing it in a more free market setting the second part of your question is the people that don't have the capacity we have a similar thing right now. I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, people that are adults who are, you know, who have insurance uh, and, and are in the, the, the private market who, f- for various reasons, don't have the capacity either because of mental health issues or, or you know, traumatic brain injury or, you know, or, or you know, all sorts of issues, uh, you know, outside in the civilian world, it could be because of a, a birth defect or a developmental disorder, or, you know, who, accident they were in or who knows what. But with veterans, it would be the same thing. When they are not in a position of having the capacity to make those choices, 
there would be some kind of guardian involved. And there would have to be someone right now anyway, because a veteran that doesn't have the capacity to make decisions on healthcare already effectively needs someone who's helping them when it comes to just their, you know, their other financial and important life decisions. Uh, and so that would be the case with this as well. And like I said, I would defer to Joe when it comes to actual specific policy of how a transition plan would look like. We just, when Joe sees the, the fact that the VA costs more per patient than just giving them the money to get healthcare that according to both anecdotal and survey evidence shows that they would get better outcomes. Uh, you know, we, we, we can't see, she can't see how that would continue, you know, moving forward and why we wouldn't switch to something that benefits both the veterans and the providers better than a, a, a largely, you know, uh, red tape and, and bureaucracy laden system. Um, so, you know, I, I like I said, I would defer to her on how it would actually look, but I believe any real good transition is going to make sure that the people that are providing will continue providing, but just in a free market, and that the people who need the help, get, you know, making those types of decisions will have the same help that they would need now anyway, just because they need that kind of help because of that incapacitation. So I, I hope that answers your question. It does. Removing those hurdles sounds great, but I'm also wondering, a little mini question, okay. um, would you and Joe be willing to hear from the employees um, some suggestions about what they they think about keeping this kind of care together, like a specialized veteran care? I don't see why not. I mean, I know there are, there are like the, you mean like the VA Centers for Excellence and things like that? Yeah, just uh, some, because we've got a lot of know-how in the area, and you seem to be a very open and, hey, let me see what the people think about this before making decisions. Um, Would that be something you'd consider hearing? I have no reason not to, absolutely. I'd love to hear anything. Anyone who wants to talk to us about policy and everything else, I'd be happy to hear from them. So cool. Well, thanks for your time, Spike. Thank you. Have a great night. I really appreciate it. You too. Take care. You too. Cool. Well, this was really great. So we had an uh, hour and a half of calls with, uh, I don't even know how many calls that was, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Nima Sapasi, I think I'm saying your name right. Spike is our hero because he's a libertarian who actually has a woman. It's not that bad with libertarians. Um, anyway, uh, I just want to say thank you all again for tuning in. Um, it means so much that uh that you guys are all tuning in and asking questions uh i always love being able to interact with y'all that's why i love doing the call in i'm gonna take the number down because i already stopped it um so i don't know if you heard but my wife finds me titillating so i'm gonna go find out more about that um but i really appreciate everyone tuning in uh today is wednesday um i have countless appearances that i'm gonna be doing uh, over the next uh, few days and uh next week uh, be sure to tune in. Um, it's a little bit up in the air because we don't know if we're having a convention. If we are having a convention, uh, then we will probably still be doing episodes of my show in the Muddy Waters of Freedom. It'll just be more built around the uh, the convention, so the timing may be different. If not, if we end up just being here, uh, then uh, tune in next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the beautiful little sweet summer boys we are and uh and then tune in tomorrow or tune in next wednesday uh, right here a week from today 8 p.m eastern for my fellow americans another amazing episode of my fellow americans and uh i uh, i thank you for everything that you do again if you're looking to give me a, a birthday gift uh 38 for i would appreciate anything that you could give to the campaign 
uh, I would consider it a personal favor for my birthday. And I do thank you again. I love all of you. And I'm so happy to have had a chance to answer so many questions. Uh, yes, my wife called as a reminder to, to get off the show. Um, so yeah, thank you again for, for tuning in and I will see you very soon. And remember you are the power. God bless. Watch!